This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Think you know Ron DeSantis? Think again. In Congress, DeSantis voted three separate times to cut Social Security. That's right, three times over three years. Worse, DeSantis voted to cut Medicare two times. DeSantis even voted to raise the retirement age to 70. The more you learn about DeSantis, the more you see he doesn't share our values. He's just not ready to be president. Make America Great Again Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. I'm going to tie that back to what is exactly happening uh, today because they're after President Trump for one reason. They understand what they've done to this country and what they intend to do to this country. And you can see it around you every day. Um, it doesn't really need an explanation. But right now, we need the leadership that gave us four years of peace and prosperity. Even if you hate the sound of Donald Trump's voice or the sound of his name, that's just the reality. And, uh, and I think the best way, you see what's happening in New York, and we're going to try to spend as little time on that as possible, but meaningful time, uh, I, th I think, as we've done it today so far to really get to the heart of what's going on here. Uh, and we will obviously have more coverage uh, throughout this hour if things break, and we will have uh, additional coverage, obviously, tomorrow. Uh, but between the race in um, Wisconsin uh, tomorrow, uh, what's going on in the economy, what's going on with the war, what's going on at the southern border. It's just too much to cover, and we need to prioritize and, and, and uh, make sure that you get the signal, not the noise. The one thing about Governor Santos, and, and I'll be talking more about this later in the week after the, the Trump event. You know, I, I pride myself in really watching these speeches, watching what people are putting up. And, um, you know, Governor Santos, that, that, and I keep, I'm not advising people, but when I say I think you ought to focus on policies and not personalities here, the policies of Trump and DeSantis could not be more different. And I think you saw this when Governor DeSantis uh, initially gave the answer on the Ukraine, which is the appropriate answer, and then was backed off in a second by a couple of a Republican establishment types saying, oh, no, 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 no. You must be in, fall in line on Ukraine, and immediately he fell in line on Ukraine. I listened to his speech. Um, all 55 minutes of it from uh, on New York. I think it was Saturday um, at, at the at the Air Museum out there. And there's not a lot there, just not. I mean, there's some interesting things on woke. And yes, there's some interesting things, and you know where woke goes. I got that, and that is important. But in the prioritization of what we must do, and by the way, I'm all for going after the corporations. We we like to pride ourselves as being the leaders of that one of the leaders that here in the war room, but um, it, our issues and what faces us is far deeper than just that. And you have to have some kind of worldview. You have to have a sense of how the world works. What are the interconnections of that world uh, and where America and what America's place should be in it. You have to lay out that vision in the details 
that kind of uh, back that up. And I think what you have is just a standard stock cookie cutter, neoliberal, neocon with a little libertarian, you know, thrown into it. But we're willing to keep an open mind, but uh, we'll continue to press on this as we go forward. But right there, and that is a very, a, the social security thing is the Paul Ryan mindset to how, how to sort out the financial and economic problems of the country. And as I said at the time, it was dead wrong then. It's even more wrong now. Uh, and he's never, he's never, Governor DeSantis has never gone and, uh, and disavowed that, this whole privatization of social security and all that. Anyway, more on that. Um, the I've, we got a lot to go through in this in this hour. One thing we've got to get out is that um, the Financial Times this morning, OPEC members in surprise oil output cut of more than one million barrels per day move will raise U.S. Saudi tensions. I want to bring Dave Walsh and Dave, you've kind of warned about this, and you've been very adamant that this OPEC plus cartel is a quite dangerous thing, and we've kind of allowed it to go on. It wasn't really an issue in the Trump administration because of the full spectrum energy dominance we had. But it's raised this ugly head in the during the era of the illegitimate Biden regime. And uh it and is th- this is another aspect to destroy the US dollar in addition, because so many of these deals are going to be done without petrodollars. Walk us through, you've warned us first, OPEC is a problem we've never really confronted. OPEC plus is a bigger problem we've never confronted. And tie that into the announcement that was kind of made uh, over the weekend and the impact, as you see going forward, sir. Well, they're they're talking about uh, soon enough two million barrel a day reduction, kicking off with a million barrel a day, but largely the kingdom and Russia kicking in about half a million barrels each in the initial tranche of this. Uh, official goals cited as the world economy looks like it's softening, concerns about the Western, specifically the U.S. banking crisis. But what their goal is, is to stabilize the price of oil at at least $80 a barrel as a floor, they've said, and and hope to get back to plus three digits, $100 a barrel plus, you know, quickly enough. That's the goal and objective. Um, So, I mean, OPEC still wields a tremendous amount of global power, and and it's growing. If if you look back at our our peak production year under President Trump, uh, November of 19, we hit 13 million barrels a day of U.S. crude production. Even last year, most of 22, we were still about 10% below that. Um, you know, self-imposed production and exploration restrictions offshore, north of Alaska and the Arctic, which we continue with announcements of only two weeks ago uh, in, in, in the case of Arctic oil in Alaska not being harvested uh, forever based on the latest Biden decree. Uh, but we're, to this day, 663,000 barrels behind where we were in the November 19 peak. So we're, you know, we've moved in a neutral position kind of on the bench. OPEC has taken note of that. And now you've got this strong collaboration with India who have now doubled their contract commitments to the Indian Oil Corp to um, to the Russians through um, um, their largest uh, Rosneft uh, uh, exporter. Uh, Japan has kicked in now with a commitment to Sakhalin Island for crude oil. Um, which a bit of a surprise, but they were granted a, a stay of execution by the um, U.S.-NATO alliance through the end of September because of their continued uh, need for, for LNG from Sakhalin Island, which they had committed to last November, the Japanese. A, uh, they, they receive about 9% of their LNG from Russia, very diversified LNG supply. But, 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 but hang on, but, 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 but hold, hold, don't bury the lead. 
what didn't we also find out not just LNG it, and maybe I misread this or didn't understand it. I thought we also found out they were buying other oil and natural gas products that were specifically banned uh, by the by the restrictions we put on um, the the trade restrictions we put on. Didn't we find out that Japan Japan our great ally had also been kind of side dealing on us? Or was that all under the auspices of this? Well, the the, the Sockland Island um, uh, LNG contract was renewed by Japan last November which is about 9% of their LNG imports consistently. Um, this was a byproduct of that. We, uh, we had granted a, a stay through September, the alliance, the Ukraine alliance, that Japan could buy crude product from Russia through the end of September. So they've exercised a 800,000-barrel commitment, not in dollars, through, from Sakhalin Island in oil, which uh, a small portion of their imports, but still... In, in oil and not in dollars from Russia. So, but Japan does Im- import 9% of its LNG, a significant part of its LNG from Russia, two thirds from Australia, Malaysia, and Qatar. Small, small portion from the Dominion Coast Point facility, Kansai Power and Tokyo Gas are large uh, holders of a 20 year commitment from Dominion Coast Point, but that's only 6% of their LNG importation. The Russian piece has been consistently 50% larger than that. Um, but now, along with that, for the month of September, we have an oil import uh, going on from Russia. Japan, Japan's only got nine reactors operating. From the, the, the post-Fukushima Fukushima action involved, you know, the shutdown of 52 reactors. So they're desperate for, for fuel for gas turbines that they've supplied internally to supplant that power, along with the fact that they built 13 gigawatts of new, new uh, clean coal capacity in Japan to displace the uh, 40-some reactors that are still closed. Plans are to reopen them, but they, you know, they're, they're sanguine and they're pragmatic about the need to continue their industrial economy, to compete with China, to be competitive on a global scale. And they're, they're, they're still in, in the game as far as a, a major industrial power that you know, they talk about the, uh, the global warming thing, the net zero thing, but the reality is they're committed as ever to compete head on head with China economically. So now, you know, we've, we've got now people in 5 billion countries uh, completely non-committed to this net zero thing, global warming thing, beginning with China, with India, India now doubling down on its importation in, in not, not in dollars, in rubles and in their currency now growingly from Russia of uh, 6 million barrels a day uh, a month, doubling now to 12 million barrels a month uh, at, at prices about 8 to $10 below the global threshold right now of $80. India importing at about $70 per barrel from Russia. I'm assuming Japan's in the in about the same area, uh, you know, above the $60 uh, threshold, but below the global price. The um, the CCP is trying to lead a a counter uh, movement to the American order, and they're doing it through the use of energy and to destroy the petrodollar. Is there any doubt in your mind? About that, sir. Uh, there's no no doubt whatsoever. I mean, you know, their their funding over here and the rhetoric they support over here through their their political donations and their PR over here is indeed all about net zero and all about global warming abatement and all about zero carbon, etc. In, in reality, they're they're not practicing this in their country. They're amping up unnecessary oil imports. They they import about nine million barrels a day. They produce only 4 million barrels locally. They desperately need the 
14 to 15 million barrels to feed their industrial economy. They know that to this moment, coal-fired generation is 60% of their electric power generation. They've got 25 plants under construction, 20 nuclear plants under construction. The renewables thing is about 9% of their internal electricity supply. So the reality is they know how to compete industrially, how to set up a defense process for their country using fossil fuels, nuclear power, coal, of course, um, and, you know, and enough renewables to say they're in the game, but basically to fund massive exports of those products to the West, who, who you know, the West continue to be taken not seriously now as an oil consumer nor an oil producer. We're, I mean, we're looking at, with this uh, OPEC restrengthening, the fact that we're not taken seriously as either a buyer going forward of major quantities of oil or a producer, as we've let that slip now by 10% last year from the Trump peaks. And, but curiously, the NSC comes out today and says, oh, the U.S., we'll, we'll continue to work with all nations and all energy markets to ensure energy supply for Americans at low prices, uh, while not, not taking strident actions to elevate production in this country. So, and so that, that sends a very strong signal to OPEC+, OPEC Plus, and the balance in, in China that we're, we're not in the game. We don't intend to be in the game. We intend to be committed to the environment, the environment, the environment, not industrial productivity, not competitiveness, not military strength, but only the environment in, in respect to this concern, which, you know, is it real? I don't believe it is myself, but, and, and many, many scientists don't, the CO2, the CO2 thing. We've got 6 billion people in the world in countries who are not, not on board with the committing to policies to reduce uh, carbon emissions. So the whole the whole thing is becoming a very moot a very moot thing at this stage. The um the impact now they have OPEC OPEC plus has said we're going to take out a million barrels a day and implied if they need to take more out they'll do yep. it because they want to get to that hundred dollars a barrel. Um, what impact will that have? Do you believe on inflation and what impact will that have on our audience? Is just basically not just the country's life but their own personal. Uh, economic and financial situation, sir. Well, we've enjoyed average gas prices, for example, at about three thirty-five a gallon in the U.S., based on seventy-two dollar global sixty-eight to seventy-two dollar prices. In the mid '80s that we've now hit in the last week, we can probably expect to be close to three eighty to to four dollars a gallon. We get to a hundred bucks a barrel again. We'll be back to four fifty, four seventy a gallon. Uh, that's just the way it works. And the price of natural gas will begin to trickle up along with oil. They tend to be somewhat linked. You know, we've enjoyed 260 to 270 a decatherm for the last few months, but that'll, that'll begin to escalate as well as, uh, along with oil. So no, it's going to have a, a devastating impact on inflation. And, you know, our, our inability to kill OPEC in the crib, that's been around a long time, but we, we have not really taken seriously challenging uh, efforts to make it go away. And now we're paying the dear price. What would you, if, if the Biden uh, regime was open to your uh, counsel, what are the two or three things you, t you would tell them immediately have to be done? Because you're not going to get our economy turned back around. Into the, the energy is the predicate of all this, the basis. This is why President Trump, when we first came into office, President Trump, it was full spectrum energy dominance, not independence, dominance in every different field. What would you tell the Biden regime right now? 
the, the country needs to send immediate strong signals to the Saudis, the Chinese, and the Russians that we're in the game. We're, we're going to limit restrictions on pipeline transmission of oil and gas. We're going to limit to, for a time period, long moratorium on environmental restrictions in the Arctic offshore to drilling and transporting natural gas and oil. We're in the game. We're going to get back in the game. We're going to elevate production to 14 to 15 million barrels a day. Easily, we're, we, we've got that in the Permian, in the Gulf of Mexico, in western Pennsylvania, in, in the Bakken, out in the Dakotas, and, and particularly up in North Alaska. Easily, the ability to go to 14 to 15 million barrels a day and, and, and then work closely with Brazil, Mexico, Canada, get England back in the game, work with Norway, to develop a, a, a teaming process to take on, which th those countries I've mentioned have about equivalent capacity as OPEC+. Plus. So there is absolutely the ability to challenge us, but you've got to be committed to uh, exploration and production and not, not ESG mantra that we're done, we're done, we're done with fossil fuels. As we continue to communicate that, people believe us and they're, and they're acting out on what we're saying because that's all we're saying for most of the administrative heads of our government. From the SEC to the Justice Department, uh, the Department of the Interior, it's all the same messaging. When you see the budget, he just gave a $6.8 trillion budget that had, I don't know, a trillion, trillion and a half deficit. You see these big fights. I'm going to talk about this in a second. Uh, can any of this be achieved, uh, closing the budget deficit, all this, while we have a um, a cartel that essentially has their, their hands around? We've walked into the fact of allowing them to have their hands around our throats and could drive oil back up to $100 a barrel, sir. No, it becomes very, very difficult. And actually, um, amping up uh, uh, exports of LNG, amping up exports of crude oil, do nothing but benefit our balance of trade. Th those are the, now the number two and three largest products we export uh, in, in the country that, that combat the balance of trade deficit that we have. Natural gas growing will, will double two and a half times within five years, the exports of LNG. We've got to we've got to amp that up. We've got to work uh, again to get to the 15 million barrel a day threshold to strengthen the currency. These are two of our largest exported commodities from the United States of America. To strengthen the currency, we've got to we've got to export strongly. We've got to strengthen the dollar with exports. Get the balance of trade under control. The tax revenues also accrue from that. I hate to you know advocate for that, but that's that's a byproduct of having strong exportation and a strong industrial sector of which oil oil and gas petrochemicals are a key part there there is no prayer of balancing the budget without the enormous tax receipts that these great products that drive human productivity drive i mean we're again we're, we continue to talk about displacing our our primary fuel supply with stuff that literally doesn't exist today and that coming from government who is are not a technology developer that's irrational but that's what we've been doing and now we've got Kingdom, Russia, China believing us. They believe us. We're not a player. No, no, yeah, no. And they're they're using this as a as a angle of attack and, a, and an inflection point. The um, you know, the the most unfair tax is the regressive tax of inflation, and now you add increased fuel prices uh, because energy underpins everything, right? From your energy bill to driving to work to to getting mass transport. Uh, uh, Dave, what is your social media? How can people follow you on social media? Now, before I get to that, you know, Granholm just a few days ago came out on light bulbs. We're gonna, we need to buy uh, LEDs only. We're going to make uh, standard light bulbs illegal. So not in addition, yeah, just, but that's a signal. It's a signal of 
a commitment to inflationary actions by the administration. Uh, I can be reached at the uh, Dave Walsh Center, and same on the on the, uh, the other social media, Dave Walsh Center Energy. Amazing stuff, Dave. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, this whole fight, uh, the economics and the capital markets here uh, uh, is of paramount importance. That's why this this Trump situation is not about the law, and we're not going to waste time speaking about the law because it's not about that. This is very simply, they cannot beat President Trump at the ballot box, so they must use lawfare to go after him. One of the reasons they know they can't beat him at the ballot box is that his plan of peace and prosperity kept us out of this third world war, in particular this financial and, uh, and economic crisis. A big part of that predicated upon going from Trump's full spectrum energy dominance uh, into this fiasco that we have uh, today. You add that with the invasion on the southern border, you add it to the, uh, the massive spending. Because remember, the spending is not a benefit. The spending is a tax on you. This gross overspending is a tax on working class and middle class people because you pay for it. You underwrite it. And you have to ask yourself, how many ben- what kind of benefits am I really getting for it? Right now, birchgold.com slash Bannon. We need everybody. And this is why Navarre is teaching the macro course. This is why we're putting out these free, these free um, assessments. The third installment now, the end of the dollar empire. The first installment was the, uh, was, um, the politics of money. The second was the, uh, the pressure on the dollars, the prime reserve currency. The third is the debt trap. What that specifically talks about is this massive fight that's going to come up about the debt ceiling. Uh, the national debt, the debt on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, and particularly this massive overspending that continues on, and the implications not just to the country, but to the community, your family, and yourself. So go to birchgold.com slash Brandon. In addition, you've got the, at Birch Gold, you've got the free information kits, because right now you must consider, you got to immerse yourself in information and consider uh, gold, silver, precious metals as an alternative, at least part of the alternative, for your retirement and your savings a package. And they've got the free info kits. And then you can also talk, you can also talk to a uh, to one of the experts, the Philip Patrick and his team. Because right now, you know, it's been a hedge for five thousand years. And we see countries like Japan and China and India, the same countries that are forming against us to take down the dollars, the prime reserve currency, they're buying gold uh, with both hands as fast as they can. Is now time for you to consider, hey, Maybe is this right for my IRA or 401k? That's birchgold.com slash Bannon. Make sure you go there. Check it out today. Our, our task and purpose here is to immerse you in information. And this is information you need and you need it uh, today. Uh, we're going to get more into, we've got to get through tomorrow. Okay, we've got to get through tomorrow. We're not going to cover it as the circus atmosphere uh, that uh, so much of the media, and that's where we had the OJ intercut in the first. It's a disgrace what they're doing on TV. They know it's a disgrace. This is a PSYOP, a complete PSYOP, and we refuse to play along with it. So we will have uh, the smartest people talking about what's really going on in regards to the situation in New York tomorrow. We also have other massive news. I want to bring in Crom Carmichael uh, for a uh, moment. Crom, I got a little ill last week going to East Palestine, Ohio, um, and uh, I've just now recovered, but in that time I was down and, and missed the show for a day. It got me to think, the most important thing we have in the posse right now is our health. And yep. everybody, every person that comes to this show and is on this show as a contributor, everybody comes to the show and is a, an audience participant 
as an activist, and you'll see this tonight when we do the Scott Pressler uh, live stream on Getter, is absolutely essential. And when you see this travesty tomorrow, you're going to realize you're absolutely essential to the health of this republic and to making sure that we can bequeath to our children and grandchildren the same constitutional republic that was bequeathed to us. Right now, uh, you need heart health more than ever. We have people that are, have hearts of lions. We have to make sure they have healthy hearts of lions. Salty uh, can help that a long way. Tell people about it and tell people how they get it, Crom. Uh, yeah, Steve, thanks so much, and thanks for everything that you do. I'm going to hold up a bottle of salt tea right here, and in this bottle are 60 soft gels. Take two of these a day, and it will help you maintain low cholesterol. It'll help you if you have moderately high cholesterol. It'll do a good job of bringing it down to the right level. And if you have high cholesterol, it probably will work with a statin drug to help you uh, maintain a healthier heart. Uh, as well as low cholesterol. And uh, heart disease is the number one killer. It always has been. Uh, it was even the number one killer during the worst two years of COVID. Heart disease still killed more people than COVID. And and the reason that soul tea is so important and what it does for you is what we do is we extract, we extract a particular molecule from green tea. And that is a, a, that molecule is called theoflavin. And it resides in fresh tea at 1%. Our concentration is 22%. So when you take two soft gels a day, you're getting the equivalent of 35 cups of green tea for your heart. Now, the, uh, and so the benefits are extraordinary. Now, we have a special offer that we do through uh, War Room. People can go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. And they use the code WARROOM at checkout. And what they get on the initial shipment is $29.95 off the initial shipment, which is 50% off the initial shipment. And then on subsequent shipments, uh, they get three bottles for the price of two, and we pay the freight. So we try to make this deal a, a great deal. It is. It's 70 cents a day. Uh, if you're going to take it and you have a loved one who's over 50, heart disease takes 10, 15 years to develop into a heart attack, you cannot possibly start taking care of your heart soon enough. That's Solty at WarRoomHealth.com. That's WarRoomHealth.com. Code at checkout is WarRoom. Crom, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Appreciate it. And thank appreciate you, you, you uh, bringing Salty to, 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 to all the War Room posse. Really appreciate it. You have thank hearts you. of lions, folks. Let's take, let's take care of them. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to be back with another action-packed half hour, only in the war room. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you, counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely, totally free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public 
the word, the letters sq.com and download the app today totally free. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can start to support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. Go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Americans have had it. They're done supporting companies that rake in hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars, while trashing the country that made their success possible. Until recently, we had to take it. But companies like Patriot Mobile are building a whole new economy, one which embraces the values that made America the greatest country on earth. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you can get the best possible service in your area. Plus, they offer a coverage guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to a different network for free without changing carriers. All this, plus the knowledge that you are supporting free speech, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call them right now at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. Remember, stop giving monies to companies that hate you. Support the Patriot Mobiles of the world. That's patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly 250 grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Um, when this is looked at in the long reach of history, this travesty and, and our looking into the abyss 
of what uh, these radicals have done to our constitutional system and are doing to the rule of law in Manhattan, New York, a, a hotbed of uh, of traitors and uh, and people that hate this country and want to destroy the foundation of this country. Uh, I think we'll be topped by by one thing's going on, and this is why we've been obsessed with it for the last couple of years. I want to bring in Joe Allen for a second. Joe, I want to read the Time magazine from over the weekend that I finally got a chance to go through in detail. But this is about what's happening right now with artificial intelligence. We have warned about this, the lack of regulation, the lack of control, the lack of what's happening. And with the, the first 100 days of the launch of ChatGPT in Davos, we are now at a crisis already. And this is because the top thinkers of the world, the top 1,000 people have said, hey, we have to have a moratorium. We have to have a minimum of six months. Upon further review, upon further review, we have to have a six-month moratorium. If we don't have the six-month moratorium, this is a problem. Uh, and, of course, as we've argued, the Chinese and others are never going to agree to that. But even for them to come out and say that. But more disturbingly, uh, individuals that are as steeped or more steeped than they in this have come out and said no. The six-month moratorium and, and kind of do it is 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 absurd. It has to be much more. It must be full stop on this immediately. And I just want to give, before I turn it over to you, and then we're going to play your cold open after you respond to me. Because people just think, hey, when you, you guys are talking about artificial intelligence, you're talking about the super brain, the, the connection of these computers, and I can see it's digital. It, it's deeper than that. And is, what is it, Yudkowsky? Is that how you pronounce his name, Joe? How you pronounce uh, the the uh, yes, uh, gentleman no, that wrote the piece? Yudkowsky. I just want to quote from this and turn it back over to you. To visualize, and he's comparing that you have as much a chance of winning against here as the 11th century head against the 21st century or some species way down the food chain would have to defeat Homo sapien in, in any kind of sophisticated uh, fight. He goes, quote, to visualize a hostile superhuman artificial intelligence, don't imagine a lifeless book smart thinker dwelling inside the Internet and sending ill-intentioned emails. Visualize an entire alien civilization thinking at millions of times human speeds, initially confined to computers, in a world of creatures that are, from its perspective, very stupid and very slow. A sufficiently intelligent AI won't stay confined to computers for long. In today's world, you can email DNA strings to laboratories that will produce proteins on demand, allowing an AI initially confined to the Internet to build artificial life forms or bootstrap straight to post-biological molecular manufacturing. Joe, I, I don't think, and, and our audience is supposed to be the most sophisticated, but we're going to have a call to arms here about what has to happen to regulate this. Uh, tell me uh, the, the seriousness of some of these top people, because I spent the weekend talking to some people behind the scenes, and I can tell you some of the smartest people in the world are absolutely petrified of what they are now realizing are coming out of these research labs and these weapons labs just on our side of the football. God help us of what, you know, you saw what the CCP virus did to the world on the biological weapon side, and they got a lot more where that came from. Thinking about what they have in the AI virus area is is has some people catatonic. Joe Allen, Steve, uh, first thing to get into the audience's consciousness is just where Eliezer Yudkowsky is coming from. We've covered him for probably two months now, and uh, the important thing to remember is that he is at the farthest end of the Doomer spectrum. 
right? He is he is literally the the worst case scenario guy. He's also among the most intelligent people talking about this. Uh, he he's a very complicated person. He's a very neurotic person, but his reasoning was strong enough to have tremendous influence on Nick Bostrom, who we've covered continually, author of the book Superintelligent, also on Elon Musk, all through Bostrom and directly, also on Sam Altman, also on Peter Thiel. So all of those people listened to Yudkowsky basically up until this point, although I would say Elon Musk is very much on his wavelength still. And what Yudkowsky is arguing is that you really, at this point, due to the complexity, the neural network complexity and unpredictable output of GPT technology, particularly GPT-4, you don't know when it could get out from human control. So there's various ways that could happen. You just mentioned two right there. A lot of people scoff. I don't know that they're that plausible, but I definitely know it's nothing to scoff at. And the two you just mentioned are the idea that this this artificial intelligence out of human control connected to the internet could begin to manipulate people to create viruses that would kill human beings. Or um, this is, I think, quite a bit less plausible, but to create post-biological molecular systems or nanotechnology uh, in order to, that would, that would begin to uh, create havoc among actual biological beings, us, human beings. So this guy, Yudkowsky, while he does sit on that far end of the spectrum, I think that the reason he's had such impact is because everyone was completely stunned at the capabilities of GPT, especially now with GPT-4 showing excellence on all of these different human intellectual metrics. And so whether or not you go to bed tonight, you know, terrified of robots killing you. I, I think it's, it's absolutely important to listen to people like him because people like him are the reason that we didn't go to nuclear war with Russia uh, or other uh, nuclear powers during the Cold War. He's pointing out what I think is a very legitimate danger, and that is just simply a, a digital system that is it's non-deterministic and therefore it is somewhat out of human control. And the problem he points out is if it gets any more advanced, right? So the moratorium that was called for by the Future of Life Institute calls for a six-month moratorium on the training of anything above the level of GPT-4. And what Yudkowsky is saying is that that is pathetically inadequate and that there needs to be a global, an international agreement among all powers that the training of any system, probably at GPT-4 or lower, should be completely abolished. Now, he goes to the extreme. This is something we talked about last time that a lot of people, I think, are, are very stunned about. He goes to the extreme of saying that if any nation or if there are any rogue data centers on foreign soil, that the U.S. or any country should be ready to send, launch an airstrike on foreign soil. And he specifically says at the risk of nuclear war, because to him, the risk of artificial general intelligence out of control is worse than nuclear war. At that point, he 
pretty much loses me because I think that those sorts of extreme responses, not that anyone in Washington is smart enough to understand what he's saying anyway, but th th those sorts of responses obviously are, I think, uh, way, way overboard considering the unknowns of the situation. But I do think that his alarm is certainly worth listening to. Do you think, given, and we'll play the cold open here in a second, do you think, given the, I mean, to have a thousand of the top thinkers, and I mean, some of the biggest brand names in this space come out and say they need a six-month moratorium, is shock, a minimum of a six-month moratorium, is shocking in and of itself. Do you believe, given that warning, that this is getting the type of coverage that I can tell you behind the scenes, both in the financial and hedge fund community and also, I think, in some, certain military circles, people are, are duly uh, extremely worried because they don't have a sense that anybody is on top of this, right? That anybody's on top of this. But do you believe this has gotten the type of not just coverage, but had the type of impact that clearly the signers of that declaration intended it to have? Uh, I, yes, I do. I, I do think that it, it sparked off uh, an understandable sort of uh, race to the most sensationalist interpretation, whether it's sensationalist in, you know, the Yudkowsky's kind of perspective, which has been solid. It's not like he's just suddenly come up with this argument. Um, uh, but also, I think that a lot of people, specifically Meta's uh, chief AI scientist, Jan LeCun, uh, people like him have taken it upon themselves to completely mock the possibility of AI being a danger in any form, not just the most extreme forms, but pretty much any form. He compares it, for instance, to uh, you know, air travel, that you know, air travel was always dangerous, and and we did it anyway. We put in the regulation, you know, after the fact. Um, I, I think he really underplays it, and there's another of um, other serious thinkers who do underplay it, and so it, it's created this polarization that we mentioned last time, where you've got um, you know one extreme people who are just completely terrified, and that includes a lot of the the people who are very much in a position to know top AI expert and others in technology that, that really do understand the true risk, the nuts and bolts. Uh, and then at the other end, you just have this kind of, uh, you know, this blind dismissal uh, that this is nothing but science fiction and people panicking. I, I would say that myself and, and others that I know who are actual AI programmers and understand the, the, uh, you know, the code in and out and the ultimate effects in and out, uh, I stand much more towards the, uh, the alarmist side I think that people have very much underplayed the dangers of most of the technologies that have been deployed over the last few decades. Uh, like I say, though, I, am, I do think that this is also an opportunity for the government to seize upon the panic to secure more undue powers for themselves, much like what you see right now with the Restrict Act and the Data Act coming up behind it. So it's a, it's a really tricky situation. I think that it's really, really important that the general public understand that there is a real danger, not just in AI, but all the technologies that we're talking about. And these tech companies, by and large, are operating under the, the, the sort of premises of, of accelerationism. They believe that we have to go forward on all of them, whether it's genetic engineering, whether it's uh, human brain computer interfaces, whether it's robotic or whether it's artificial intelligence, especially artificial general intelligence. All of them just want to rock it forward in the name of uh, either competition or as if it were some sort of cosmic fate that human beings create these potentially destructive technologies 
just because it's in the nature of of our, our nature and the nature of the cosmos itself, which is a, a kind of stunning techno-cult sort of perspective. But a lot of the people who are in these different companies speak this way. Sam Altman, uh, probably the, the most outspoken among them. Let's go ahead and play. Can we go, Memphis, can we go ahead and play the, uh, let's play the cold open for, for Joe. Let's play that and did Joe come and explain it. In a few moments, Colossus will address us directly. This is the voice of world control. I bring you peace. It may be the peace of plenty and content or the peace of unburied death. The choice is yours. Obey me and live or disobey and die. The frightening story of the day man built himself out of existence. Colossus, the Forbin Project. The Supreme Council of the USSR has ordered as of 2300 hours Moscow time tomorrow the activation of an electronic brain exactly like ours, which they call God. They built Colossus, supercomputer with a mind of its own. Then they had to fight it for the world. I don't think artificial intelligence is a threat. People like us, street smart, we never scared of that. We, we think it's a great fun and we want to change ourselves to embrace it. I don't know, man. That's like famous last words. So paint a picture for us. One, five, ten years in the future. What changes because of artificial intelligence? So part of the exciting thing here is we, we get continually surprised by the creative power of, of all of society. I think that word surprise, though, it's both exhilarating as well as terrifying That's to people. Sure. Would you push a button to stop this if it meant there was a 5% chance it would be the end of the world? I would push a button to slow it down. And in fact, I think we will need to figure out ways to slow down this technology over time. Until quite recently, I thought it was going to be like 20 to 50 years before we have general purpose AI. Now I think it may be 20 years or less. Some so people think it could be like five. I wouldn't completely rule that possibility out now. Whereas pre a few years ago, I would have said no way. What do you think the chances are of AI just wiping out humanity? It's not inconceivable. OK. That's all I'll say. There's an expert from the Machine Intelligence Research Institute who says that if there is not an indefinite pause on AI development, this is a quote, literally everyone on Earth will die. <laughs> Your delivery, Peter, is quite, it's quite something. It sounds crazy, but is it? It was like ChatGPT's blind version of like throwing the ideals at a place where they were exactly the wrong ideals to solve the problem. And the problem is that Demon summoning is easy and angel summoning is much harder. Open sourcing all the demon summoning circles is not the correct solution. I, I do not think it is possible to understand the full depth of the problem that we are inside without understanding the, the, the problem of facing something that's actually smarter, not a malfunctioning recommendation system, not actually something smarter. that isn't fundamentally smarter than you, but is like trying to steer you in a direction yet. No, like if we, if we solve the, the weak stuff, this, the, if we solve the weak ass problems, the strong problems will still kill us. The, the, the thing I want to communicate is the sort of difference that separates humans from chimpanzees. But that gap is so large that you like ask people to be like, well, human, chimpanzee, go another step along that interval of around the same length and people's minds just go blank. Like, how do you even do that? The problem is that we do not get 50 years to try and try again and observe that we were wrong and come up with a different theory and realize that the entire thing is going to be like way more difficult than we realized at the start. 
because the first time you fail at aligning something much smarter than you are, you die. Okay, uh, explain to us what we just saw there, sir. Steve, I, I put that together really to give the audience a range of opinion. Uh, and also at the opening, uh, a lot of uh, audience members have asked for that. So that's uh, uh, Colossus 1970 movie uh, based off of a 1966 novel by uh, D.F. Jones. And the, the movie itself or the story, you know, very, very early on described a scenario in which human uh, beings, you know, the American military create an artificial superintelligence. Uh, Russia creates one of its own and uh, things get hairy. So these ideas have been bubbling around for a long time. In fact, Alan Turing, uh, arguably the first, certainly among the first real computer scientists said that uh, he believed thinking machines would outpace humans. And he was saying that back in the 1950s. But then you have uh, you know, Jack Ma and Elon Musk, classic debate, Jack Ma completely unconcerned about artificial intelligence. That was 2019. And then you have Sam Altman talking about uh, that you know, if, if he thought that there was a 5% chance that his AI system would uh, cause the end of the world, he would push a button to slow it down. But I think that uh, you know, probably one of the more stunning for a lot of people was Jeffrey Hinton, uh, who is at University of Toronto and Google Brain. And there you have Jeffrey Hinton just a few days ago saying that he would not rule out the possibility of AI wiping humanity off the earth. Of, of all of them, he is probably the most sober and serious, and yet he takes this very seriously. And then, of course, rounding off Eliezer Yudkowsky. And uh, Yudkowsky is, as I said earlier, undoubtedly a neurotic and profoundly strange individual, also extremely intelligent. And I think that he has done more than anyone to really kind of map out and reason what the possible paths to not only uh, you know a, a beneficial AI but the destructive AI him and Nick Bostrom who took a lot of his inspiration from Yudkowsky and so uh, as anyone listening to this thinks this through because this I think right now Steve I think that right now we're at the kind of height or we're on our way to the height of the wave of coverage and and tension and sensationalism. And that will ebb before artificial intelligence does much else but confuse people and, and make them uh, you know, somewhat subservient to the machine, I think. But um, th th I think that right now is a great time for people in our audience and especially for the politicians who are going to have to deal with regulating this to seize the opportunity of public consciousness to understand that this is a very relevant topic, even if it's not the end of the world, it could definitely mean profound impacts on the public psyche, on the education system, so yeah. on and so forth, to reason through those and respond yeah. accordingly. No, we got to move rapidly. By the way, the Jack Ma piece, I can guarantee you, was that he's just a mouthpiece for the CCP there. The CCP doesn't want any slowdown of what's happening in our official intelligence right now. People should assume that's not a good thing. Jack Ma is talking as a total puppet to the CCP. Hinton's is the one that should shock you, because this is not a guy with his hair on fire. Uh, Joe, we got to go. How do people get to all your writing, sir? Uh, Steve, you can find me at jobot.xyz, warroom.org, under the transhumanism tab, uh, Twitter, and Twitter, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z. Thank you very much, Steve. 
Okay, brother, thank you. By the way, tonight, live on Getter, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we'll have up uh, Scott Presler from Wisconsin. We're going to be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be a, uh, a very uh, a tough day. Uh, we're going to make sure we're going to guide you through it so you get all the information you need without any of the crap. Okay, so um, we'll be back here at 10 a.m. live in the war room. We'll see you then. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.